This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Hello, beautiful people. Welcome to God is Gray, the podcast. Although I, as a Christian, believe that God resides in absolute truth, in black and white, we as people are stuck here on planet Earth contending with the gray. In church, gray areas often cause dissension, anger, and even hate. But on this platform, I welcome open dialogue, variety of opinion, and differing belief systems. God is Gray is meant to teach, inform, and simply trade stories with kindness, love, and mutual respect. If you have a story or perspective to share, please reach me, Brenda Marie Davies, at GodIsGrayXO at gmail.com. To support the cause and be a part of our community, donate to patreon.com slash gray. Now, on to the episode. Hi, beautiful people. Today we have a very exciting guest, Miss Becca Martinez. She co-hosts the Chatty Broads podcast along with Jess Ambrose. I was reading her Instagram and loved that she has a quote from yourself, Becca? <laughs> no, it's actually from Kanye West, but I don't put that up in the bio because that's just going to get people mad. <laughs> wow. Okay. That's perfect. We're going to talk about so much stuff today. We're going to talk about media, internet, trolling, because I have opinions about Kanye West. I wouldn't want to put his on my page either. So perfect. We're going to get into it. But anyway, the quote is, everybody makes mistakes. I just make them in public which I love. And obviously, Becca and I both feel resonant with this. She's also a 25-year-old mama of two, which is wild because I, was, I wasn't even hoeing around yet when I was 25. <laughs> Still married, like getting ready to figure things out. I'm saving my hoeing around, you know, for once my kids are a little bit older, then, then I'll, then I'll, I shouldn't say I'll continue my hoeing around. I'm taking a pause. <laughs> Um, great. I, I'm excited for this conversation because I've been thinking so much about not only media literacy, but also about all the division going on in the country, Mm. all of the ways that we harshly and cruelly judge each other, cancel culture, um, wokeness, and the balance of that between just having grace for the generations that have come before us. And myself included in that, I'm a millennial. Are you Gen Z? I am technically a millennial. I am like on the cusp. Okay, okay. Yeah. Because Gen Z has been schooling me a lot and I'm listening and I'm loving it and I'm learning, but sometimes I'm like, but okay, there needs to be a balance of respecting your elders. (laughs) No, not even respecting your elders, but just like acknowledging the kind of things you can learn just from life experience and the ebb and flow and that experience and years under your belt actually do make you qualify for certain things. If not, you know, of course not everything, but I don't know. What are some of your thoughts on all that? No, I agree. Cause I think, well, I think respect for your elders is important, but what's important is mutual respect, right? So it doesn't go one way, right? It doesn't go that we just have to have respect for people because they're old. And like old people get to just like say that they're right and not listen to anyone else. You know, it's like, it's about mutual respect and we should have, I mean, I don't know. It's so interesting because when you talk about this stuff conceptually, it's so easy to be like, we should respect everyone. And then it's like, well, should we respect this person that has this idea or belief that we think is violent or harmful? Should we have respect for them? Like, is there such a thing as just having respect for someone on the basis of being another human being, regardless of what they think or believe? I don't know. And I feel like everyone's trying to do so much of that navigating right now. Totally. I mean, biblically, it would be sound not, do we have to, we don't have to respect everyone biblically. We just have to love them. I Mm. think that's the only call we have. I don't know about respect. I'm definitely one of Mm. those people who believes that respect is earned. Mm. 
growing up in purity culture and in church, which I know we were both a part of. Oh yeah. The concept of, or like the idea that I would need to just respect people across the board for wearing a priest collar or for being on platform or for being a man or for being all of these other quantifying things. That's not enough for us to just tune out and decide that we respect somebody. I think there's also a thin line between you're taking one person's belief systems and everything they're saying and thinking and putting out into the world because you're either supposed to respect them or they're someone that you've respected in the past and you're still kind of grabbing at what they were offering before. Like the example mm -hmm. that comes to mind is this Instagram girl. I don't know too much of her story, but apparently like she has like a hundred and some thousand subs or um, followers on Instagram. Yeah. And I guess she used to do a lot of like holistic things and she's Christian and she was guiding people towards health, but now she's a QAnon conspiracy theorist and an anti-masker. Um, it's just interesting. Who is this on Instagram? <laughs> now I'm curious. Not as like a call out, but I just... No, let me try to find it. It's, let me see, let me see. Because I just referenced her. I just did a, a video about... It was QAnon media literacy, and I all I did it around mm. the Cuties movie, which is also interesting because I knew that this episode would be really challenging for people because mm. I've kind of, not kind of, I've really come to the realization that unifying everybody is very important. That doesn't mean you have to agree with everybody. That doesn't mean you have to concede to things that you don't think are right. But it does mean that we're acknowledging or we're beginning to acknowledge that a lot of things are universal. Like a lot of mm. us want our children taken care of. We want freedom. We want secure borders. We want the police to protect us when we need protection. Like we need to stop vilifying each other and determining that we're the enemy, uh, enemy of each other when in fact there are these universal things that flow through all of us. And I feel like if we can get more to the heart of those, then we could find more compassion. And not only that, but more of a bridge towards making some future tangible change that right. both sides agree with. Or at least can compromise on without feeling like they've fully compromised them whole selves, you know? Right, right. Um, her name is Rose Uncharted. Oh, okay. And I'm looking at a picture of people praying and laying their hands on Donald Trump. Look at my cracked sunscreen. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. Everything that's been going on the internet has been really interesting this year. I mean, obviously everyone's like, oh, it's the end of the world, but which we can talk about that because I don't think either of us think that it is. Right. Um, but it's really fascinating I mean, Donald Trump's whole thing is fascinating, right? Because he is playing into this idea that he's somehow like a Christian or someone that cares about like Christian values. And yeah. that in and of itself is really bizarre that people like cling on to that as him as some sort of like Jesus loving person just in general. Mm -hmm. And, and then also that these certain beliefs have become symbolic for this like sect of Christianity, like these different QAnon conspiracies and all of this. It's just really interesting. And I'm sure you touch on this in your video, which I am going to watch about like, how are people getting sucked into this? And because I know people like personally, people that I love and who I have respect for, who are like fully down the rabbit hole. I don't mind that he's not a Christian. I don't mind if he's never read the Bible. He is still not showing the fruit of a Christian person that I can see. So it's not about having to have that stance. It's about why we believe that he is or why that we want to believe that he is. Mm -hmm. It all comes down to the moral majority coming in in the 80s. And basically it's Jerry Falwell Sr., and this group of seven or eight, I think, just old white guys that really wanted to have more political power. And they were all really like influential, powerful evangelical leaders. So mm. what they did was, I don't know how it actually went down, but they basically aligned with Ronald Reagan and said, you can get the evangelical vote. If you line up with us, we will promote you. You just have to stand for certain policies. 
pro-life being one of them, of course. So Mm -hmm. that same organization of men, which isn't a majority, it's a misleading name. It's only a small handful of really powerful people. And they helped George Bush get in. They helped Trump get in. And this is my theory slash true belief on why Trump actually holds the Bible, because he is promising to come through on these certain traditional stances that Christians Mm. hold dear. I just, in the most roundabout way, uh, am saying I just still don't understand why we need him to be a Christian, why he can't just promote those ideals Mm. without saying that he is. Mm. But I don't know. He's a showboater. Maybe he's Christian enough that he feels okay saying it. Like a lot of us are casual Christians, like going on a Sunday. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's bizarre. I do. I do remember my parents saying a few years ago, they were like, one of the biggest mistakes we made was conflating the church and its beliefs. I don't know if I'm using the word conflating right with um, like Republican conservative ideology and like how those two things don't have to go hand in hand. I mean, I think it just comes down to people also not knowing the Bible or not knowing what they're really claiming when they claim to be Christians. I mean, Jesus, I don't think was a champion of like uh, an unregulated free market in capitalism. No. (laughs) And somehow those things are synonymous with like Christian views and Christian political beliefs. Okay, so I've really been making a concerted effort to begin welcoming both sides, quote, into my channel, because just by the name God is Gray, it's implying that there is a lot of gray area and there's a lot of things that you can discuss. So therefore, it's really not fair for any of us to place any judgment based on absolutes when we're all residing in this gray. So for me, it's rare for me to find somebody that actually genuinely believes Trump is a Christian. I haven't talked mm. to many Christians in my own life, even that support him. They'll, they'll still like admit like, okay, yeah, we don't know if he is. We don't really care if he's showboating, right. but he is defending life. He's defending mm. babies' lives. But then you go back to the pro-choice stands and the liberal stands, and you see that we on our side are advocating for women of color not dying in childbirth and astronomical numbers so at the same time you look at us and you're like okay so both of us are promoting life both of us are promoting more people having healthy pregnancies carrying through with their pregnancies having the resource to have a pregnancy like you just did a beautiful post um that you shared where you did a home birth and i had to have a hospital birth because i didn't have the financial resources to do it the quote natural way and then it gets worse and worse and worse the less money you have and then if you are a minority person so I don't know I think that so much of it is trying to acknowledge that politics are not going to save us I don't know why we are all hanging our hats on this thing that as far as I knew very few of us actually passionately cared about even five or ten years ago Mm. yeah that's so interesting and also I just wanted to, and, and and I don't want to alienate anyone either, but you know, when we're, when we're talking about, let's say caring about babies or caring about life, well, which party gives women free access to birth control, which then can lower the rates of unplanned pregnancy, which in turn lowers the rate of abortions. Mm-hmm. It's just a fact that when Democrats are in office, that, that rates of abortions go down. That's true. Well, that's the problem, too. If you're advocating for pro-life, and I am going to interview a girl who says she's um, pro-life, but also advocating for all of these things that we need to actually prevent unwanted pregnancy, because those things do have to go hand in hand. I guess I've never really talked about this publicly, but even though there is very small numbers of this, you know, like third trimester abortion is illegal in California, I mean, is legal in California, for instance. And it's like, I don't know if like, I, I don't know if I agree with that. And it's like, I can't say that I'm, I don't know. It's complicated. And I don't think that any of us can align ourselves with just one side of an argument or one side of a political party and say that that's going to solve all the answers or that that's the right way. And the other side is the, is the wrong way. Um, 
And it's tricky to talk about because unfortunately we do get so emotionally wrapped up in these conversations, especially right now. And I don't even know if it, you know, you're saying these things that no one really cared about five or 10 years ago. I wonder if that just has to do with like the cycle that we're in right now as a country. Um, yeah. I was saying this briefly before we started recording, but I've been learning a lot sort of about these different cycles that countries go through and how even though events are random, how we react to them as societies are not random. They're influenced by where we're at in generations and where we're at in our like country cycle. And I've been finding all that really interesting and also has given me a sense of peace that none of this is new. The sort of um, black and white two-sidedness, anger and emotions and all of that that we've all been dealing with as a country this year. Yeah, it's, I've had the interesting experience of practicing humility. Like I kept thinking how much audacity I've had at times to shout about things that I became aware of five minutes mm. earlier. Mm. <laughs> like for me to find out about the disparity in women of color dying in childbirth and then me to immediately do an angry Instagram post about how dare everybody not be acknowledging this. Mm. I am not trying to shame or blame anyone for that sort of immediate emo emotional reaction, but it also lacks an invitation. And I think more of us need to begin extending an invitation because it's exactly what you're saying. So few of us are exactly on one side or exactly on the other side. And that's, there's a spectrum of almost anything from your sexuality to your gender expression to your political lean to how religious you are it's all on this scale that can even change throughout your life so yes and should change by the way if we hold the same beliefs from when we're 18 to when we're 80 i don't know if that's exactly healthy or if that's practicing having like an, a curious and inviting attitude to learn more yeah well did you always feel comfortable exploring your own thoughts or was that ever forbidden to you it was definitely for, I mean, it was, it's so interesting because I was homeschooled. I was homeschooled through fifth grade. I went to private school, sixth through eighth grade. I was homeschooled again, ninth and 10th grade. And I went to public school, 11th and 12th grade. And then I went to a public university for college. So I've done it all. <laughs> believe me. Um, <laughs> but one of the benefits that I personally received from the way my mother homeschooled us was an invitation to be curious and to question everything and to be sort of rebellious in thought in certain areas at the same time we were being taught never to question like the authority of the bible right and those were things that you just were not allowed to question so I sort of experienced both at the same time. On one hand, I was being taught to like literally question everything and never take anything anyone says for like for granted, but then also certain things never question your morality or like this one objective, um, this one objective view of the world and of spirituality. That's so really, really interesting. confusing. And I find myself oscillating between those two. Yeah, and I find myself going back and forth between those same two things as an adult all the time. And I, I also have been asking myself, you talked about how, you know, your whole platform is God is gray, which means there's not a lot of black and white areas. And I've been, I've been trying to grow myself this year to step out of that black and white path because if I'm speaking to things like they're black and white and with that emotion that you're talking about and that anger, I've been having to ask myself, who am I doing this for? For people who agree with me to nod their head and go, yep, that's the truth. Mm-hmm. People who already thought that way, what the hell does that accomplish? And then I'm just isolating people who don't agree with me and they're like, look at that crazy psycho bitch going off again. What does that, what the hell does that accomplish? You know, I posted, I posted something, I posted something of a, uh, a photo of a Blue Lives Matter flag in the toilet. And I'm like, and then after, I mean, I never deleted it because I'm contrarian like that. But I've oh, been gosh. sitting in that for the past few months and being like, who did, who was that for? Who was that for? That was just for people who agree with me to be like, yes, girl. You know, and, but how do we present a gray area without dismissing like the black and white injustices that do occur 
and not ignoring the people who choose to ignore those issues. I'm, I love that you I don't know. I know. I love that you've been thinking about all of this and I love how many people do take the responsibility of being online really seriously. Like the video that I just did on cuties was all about media literacy because when you watch this movie on Facebook, it's called the social dilemma. It's all these former CEOs. Oh, I watched those. Okay. Yeah. So it's all these former CEOs of Twitter and Facebook and Instagram and it's funny because we also have these ideas that these corporate people can just be evil. Like there's gigantic evil corporations with no humanity infused. And I think that dispels a lot of hope because we need to believe there's good people in quote bad places, or there were good intentions behind things yeah. that just went awry sometimes. Yeah. And you could even say that of the policing system. Like for me, the outrage is palpable and clear and I understand why we're feeling the outrage and at the same time there is some line between there are good people in these systems that are broken systems we're just asking right. to address these root things but it is true that if you post a meme that's snarky I've never learned one thing from a snarky meme like I haven't looked at a conservative meme and be like well dang I just got schooled I guess I have to do my <laughs> research like I've just been like, screw you, block or like mute. And, or now we can't even talk at the Thanksgiving table. And even Thanksgiving is under fire because everyone has different opinions on that. It's yeah. just like, I don't want after coronavirus and all of this quarantining to become all of this alienation and separation that turns into real life. Like, I can't help but wonder, are we going to stop misbehaving this gravely mm -hmm when we finally are actually sitting at a literal table with someone that doesn't see things how we do. And to your point about like, who is a serving or who is it for? Or how do we get into those gray areas? I feel like I remember on the podcast that I did with you and Jess, you were talking about how you have a more black and white mind, right? You kind of gravitate towards absolutes more. Or you you know, I might have I might have said that, and I don't think that's really true at all. Like the more <laughs> I've been exploring it, and the more I've been maybe comparing myself to other people, I don't I don't actually think I do. I actually might have been talking about my mom because we would talk about the Bible this way. Or okay. I'd be like, a lot of this stuff isn't just black and white. And it's funny that your whole thing is God is gray because I remember having a conversation like that with my mom in high school and college and being like, I'm just more of like a gray area personality and like you're more of a black and white personality. So even the way that we like see the exact same verse in the Bible is not going to be the same because like we but then you get attacked like every christian that i get attacked by will say the gray area means that you're lukewarm like the way to show you're truly passionate it should be about spit your... out of your mouth yeah exactly <laughs> god's like, gonna have... spit you out of his mouth exactly like you have to have parameters that are dead mm. black and white otherwise you're lukewarm and you're not as passionate which is such a fallacy and i think we've been seeing that exact argument in um liberal woke spaces mm. of like if you're not if you're not approaching this in an evil versus good like black versus white way then you're and I, I when I keep saying black versus white it's like this is so difficult <laughs> to, to say because we're also talking about had things happening in the wake of George Floyd's murder and justice for black and indigenous people when I'm talking when I keep saying black versus white I'm talking about abstractly I know, um, I know. We need our terminology. I guess like light and darkness. It's not even good yeah. and evil though. It's just like different no. polarities of certain issues. Polarities, extremes. Yeah. And and I feel like I've been seeing that a lot more. I'm taking notice in liberal woke spaces of like you have to be on one side of this extreme. You have to either hate this or completely champion this. Otherwise you're lukewarm and you're not like a true ally. You're not a true advocate so on so forth um and i'm not saying that like oh i'm i feel like i'm a victim of that i'm not victimizing myself by saying that and just i've been taking note of it and like i don't know if this is the right way to approach things um yeah no i really really appreciate you saying this and us having this conversation because i had this terrible sinking feeling which is that i always 
start my videos with prayer. Like I really seek mm. out inside of myself and get quiet and still and figure out what's the next video. What's the next thing I'm going to talk about. I don't promise perfection. I don't mean to say that everything I say is completely aligned with divinity, but I certainly try. And I came into this space being one thing, which is, I guess you could arguably say anti-church because mm. I didn't even have the word deconstruction yet or anything. Mm. I was alone as far as I knew. I was just saying, these are the things that are not working. I hate this. They broke my heart. They hurt me. And this is a better way. This is the way I interpret the Bible. And I got really used to getting all amens and I already knew who my haters were. And it was just anyone that was still in that space that wasn't ready or didn't want to hear a different yeah. message than that. But to my dismay over the last month or so the message i've been getting is okay so now it's your turn to piss off the people that you've invited in and i'm like no because the same thing that you're saying it's it's too polarizing i would have even a year ago maybe said fox news was completely out of control conservatives were really promoting an us versus them mentality but at some point, I've seen my liberal brothers and sisters jump on that bandwagon and be just as atrocious and polarizing, unkind. Like, if we weren't catching and, up, yeah. we're caught up now. Yeah, like, and I've been noticing that too, just like with propaganda stuff. I would do the same thing. It'd be like, Fox News is propaganda, blah, blah, blah. And then as I'm exploring my social media feeds, that was an interesting part of the social dilemma, by the way of um talking about how our thoughts and like our ideas are reinforced by like the news that is fed to us because we will be more likely to engage with things that agree with the things we've already been agreeing with yeah that was one part i really liked it, about it just side note about that, that documentary i did feel like it was painting this this view of like technology and social media is like evil and ex exploitative and we've got to try to escape it, you know? Um, and so I was like, okay, we got we to gotta, we gotta deconstruct this message that we're being fed right now by these people who for some reason have, I don't know, there's, there's, a, there's an agenda behind everything. I don't want to sound like a conspiracy theorist, but you've got you to gotta pause and say, is there an agenda behind <laughs> what I'm being fed right now? No, and 100%. I know. I didn't realize that just even with liberal media stuff too. I remember when everyone was posting those memes or those like, um, not memes, but you know, like, you know, like news memes. I don't know what to call them, but like there was all these photos of um, postal service boxes being picked up on the side of the road. And yeah. I paused for a second and I was like, wait a second. If we were defunding the, the U.S. Postal Service, how are we going to pay to go around and pick up all these boxes? That wouldn't happen. We, we would just let the, the mailboxes sit there and rot. This photo isn't like this, you know, and you start breaking it down and being like, okay, wait a second, wait a second. This is, I'm being fed something that's propaganda right now for, for some reason. Like, yeah, there might actually be issues going on with this, but this photo is not related to it. If we didn't have money for the postal service, we sure as hell wouldn't be paying someone to go around and pick up the, the mailboxes. And so it's just little things like that, where there's like, there's an agenda behind everything. What a brilliant uh, exercise in media literacy. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> I know. I never thought about that, but it's true. Like the social dilemma movie was talking about the true polarization and the reason like, I didn't finish my thought articulately at all on the top of this, where I was saying, you know, what is a thread between someone who believes in Trump, who's anti-vaccine, anti-mask, and then QAnon? it really goes back to Facebook and the spread of misinformation. So mm -hmm. you and I are probably more geared to similar news. So we'll get similar propaganda and we'll believe a list of things to be true that might not be true. And the same thing happens to quote the other side and the script they're being given is this snowball that leads them to QAnon and anti-masking and everything. And now it's like being conflated with Christian ideals. Like, we have enough faith in God to not wear masks. And I'm like, Oh my God. Now you need to justify the propaganda you've heard by wrapping it in a bow that's biblical, but there's nothing in the Bible about this. Like God never said, no. be fully irresponsible. If your disease, just wipe your disease all over people. <laughs> like, no, actually the opposite. We see laws in Leviticus and all these things like taking uh, precautions towards hygiene to like prevent the spread of disease. 
Like, yeah. Now we advocate for getting back to Leviticus. We're like, we're just getting back to Leviticus. <laughs> <laughs> oh my That's really God. what we should build our models upon. Yeah, actually. <laughs> Great point. <laughs> Let's just chase everyone away from both of our platforms for good. <laughs> Um, I was just looking. So this other girl, her name is Ali Zek, and she says educating on groupthink slash mind control. And she's another one of these conspiracy theorists with like 60,000. And the amazing thing is I watch The Social Dilemma with the eyes that I have that I live in Los Angeles and I know a lot of people that make these films and make art. I'm surrounded by actors. I happen to know that when you say liberals don't care about trafficking or about being good people in general, or they're all worshiping Satan. I'm like, no, they're not. I mean, maybe if I was in Washington, I could say the same thing of everyone in the White House. We can really easily vilify these organizations of people and determine that they're all evil or they're all good. And like, we're talking about that can't possibly be true. But anyway, I watched it like, oh, here's a film that someone put out. It, It looks very well intentioned. It's people explaining how these have gone awry. And if you see the little handles underneath most of these CEOs, it seems like they're starting projects that are advocating for more aware social media and more protections for children. And they've kind of shifted their gaze. Meanwhile, this girl, Ali Zek, she has a whole conspiracy about it. She's like, I was confused why a globalist company like Netflix would show the social dilemma because blah, blah, blah. Then I realized after seeing people delete their social media accounts, that's exactly what they wanted us to do. So she read that movie as like, like, do you know how many mental gymnastics you have to go through to get there? (laughs) Also, there's just this fallacy, like you're talking about that it's like this one person or like two people. I mean, it's so difficult, right? Because there's like a little bit of truth and a little bit of wrong and like everything right. is sort of what I'm feeling. <laughs> like this is sort of my mood right now. And uh, all we can do is like put, in, put on our like discerning cap and our, like our intuition cap and like listen to it. The irony about some of these people that are, that are truthers, you know, they call themselves truthers. I love that. I love calling QAnon people truthers. <laughs> the truthers is like their thing is question everything. Yet, like with the Wayfair conspiracy, all you have to do is five minutes of questioning to have that whole conspiracy fall apart. Doesn't take, doesn't take long. But anyway, it's like, yes, there's very small percentages of people that are in power. But at the same time, when you're framing it that way, what she's talking about, it's almost like one person made, like one person is in charge of Netflix and one person is in charge of all the movies that they put out and produce. Like, that's silly. <laughs> like, you're going to... That's just silly. Like, there's one person who's going to be like, I know what I'll do. I'm going to make sure they all delete their social media so that they can't know the truth. It's like, all right. Maybe this was just made by some concerned people who are worried about, like, how much time their kids spend, like, yeah, on Instagram that's distorting their their self-image or, you know, whatever. It's like, it doesn't all ha- it's not all evil. Exactly. And even if you look at it, like my first argument to that would be, I was off of Instagram for nine months right before I started God is Gray. And I, I have such, I don't even have a love hate with Instagram. I have a like hate with it. I don't Mm -hmm. love it. It's really difficult. It's not it doesn't resonate with me to speak to people mm. online. Like that's why I put so much effort into making my online relationships tangible. Like that's why I'd yeah. reach out to you and Jess and be like, I like what you're doing. Let's actually meet. Cause I don't want to yeah. stay in this space with you. I want to get into the real world with you. Yeah. So I was incredibly emotionally, mentally healthy. I had so much more time and energy and even when I was out at a bar or at a restaurant, I, there's so many instances where I would be sitting there observing everybody on their phones. Mm-hmm. And I had some high and mighty feelings about it. I was like, oh, look at all you guys on your phones all the time. But <laughs> it was sheeple. <laughs> exactly. Um, but it was an incredible feeling. And when you read the statistics of how many young women are committing suicide at the mm-hmm. rates that they've spiked, the chart shows that it's like, completely correlated with the existence of social media 
for a woman to have a conspiracy about, no, you can't delete your social media because they're trying to silence you. It's like, no, they're not. Like, I really think maybe there's one or two nefarious people in that organization or made that movie, but I don't think so. I think they're just genuinely concerned about the future and about all the misinformation that's being spread. So this um, past spring, I took a, I'm still trying to finish my bachelor's degree in college, but I took a class. Um, I was oh, you had a real class. bachelor's degree. <laughs> I, d- I have the bachelor's degree, okay? <laughs> but I took this art class that was more like a critical theory course, and we talked about this one philosopher, Hannah Arendt, and I don't really know much about her, but she, one particular like thing that we studied about her was her idea of the evil of unthinking. Mm-hmm. And she started talking about this in relation to, I can't remember what the trials are called. Is it the Nuremberg trials where, where Nazis were put on trial yeah. after World War II? And one of the Nazis, his defense was like, I was just going along with the law. And this was really interesting because you start, you start unpacking this and it's like, okay, if we take our morality, our moral cues from like what's permissible or what's legal we can very easily be led astray, right? Because in Hitler's Germany and in his, in all of that, it was not only permissible, but encouraged and legal to do atrocious, horrible, hateful things, right? And so his whole defense was, I was just following the law. Like I was just doing what I was supposed to. Mm. So Hannah Arendt, began talking about this in terms of like the evil of unthinking that evil isn't this novel thing evil isn't this villainous character in a disney movie evil is taken for granted sort of what we're being served and just going along with it without any thought and i find that so relevant for the conversations we're having right now about evil is not this boogeyman evil is not this one like you said nefarious character like the puppet master behind everything evil is in us in our unthinking and our willingness to go along with ideology um and and to place ourselves no matter what side we're placing ourselves on with this assuredness and with this attitude that we're just going to go along for the ride wherever it takes us and that's where the true evil stems from that's really brilliant. You, a couple of thoughts came to my head, which is one that it's really interesting that people only use the law when it's convenient for them, which drives me crazy. Cause it's like, I want to break the law by not wearing a mask, <clears throat> not wearing a mask because I truly feel we are being duped and this is mind control and I'm going to rebel and break the law. But if a black man doesn't react perfectly in the situation with police, well, he well how was he breaking the law? The law. Yeah. yeah. And it's just like, you can't have both. And I'm sorry if I triggered you when I said that, but I'm, I'm sick of us all being too triggered. It's like, you really do have to look at every element of this. And if you're going to be something, be that consistently, or if something challenges your consistency in that, you have to realize you found a crack there's some water coming through. And that's actually a beautiful opportunity. If something you once believed suddenly doesn't hold water, you get to explore that and figure out why. And then two things can be true at the same time. Like Mm -hmm. you can, you know, advocate for defunding the police while believing that police are really good people that want the best in the world. Like you can advocate for both. And then even we'll take language and make things so much more salacious than they are just to have trigger words and points of speaking and points of contention with each other. Mm -hmm. Like I noticed so many conservatives had changed defund the police to abolish the police. It's Mm -hmm. like, nobody said that nobody doesn't want to be able to call the police when they need them. We're just asking us to question those systems. And we as liberal woke people also need to be willing to question the things that we're being fed as well. Because to your point with the mailboxes, just because you're quote on the right side of things, which it's very easy to begin feeling like you are, doesn't mean everything you're seeing is true. Like, And we're all susceptible to it. Like if I take, I feel incredibly passionate and horrified about the kids at the border. And if you showed me brand new released pictures of them in literal cages at the border, I might just repost that on a whim and be like, oh my God, I can't believe it's escalated to this and not even question it. 
I'm not yeah. saying this has happened, but I'm just saying like, if you're already a champion of a cause and someone gives you even something more salacious to share, I feel like you're more primed to believe it, share it, Absolutely. and then spread a brand new lie. And some things don't need to be more horrible than they are. Like right. you don't need to show a third trimester termination that, mm. that happened. As far as I know, even in California, that's only legal. You can't just be like, I don't feel like it. There has to be real medical reasons why you're doing it. But you don't have to show a seven-month-old fetus to show us how horrific abortion is you can show us the one month old fetus and it's just as horrifying like mm. i'm also sick of us really trying to amplify things that are already emotional mm. like, let's bring mm. this down to earth and we can both look at it compassionately and we can both look at it with true eyes and again see where we're actually aligned like if you're a QAnon conspiracy theorist welcome to having a liberal mentality because liberals have been talking about human trafficking especially as it pertains to the sex industry and women being trafficked into the sex industry for decades and decades and decades like that's why we're advocating for yeah. the uh, decriminalization of sex work because so many people are trafficked victims and they need to be protected by the law and right now they're yeah not. or also people aren't talking about that these trafficking statistics a lot of times they're not these super dark, scary images of children being locked in closets to be, I mean, like, that is obviously very jarring. But when we're talking about trafficking, we're also talking about immigrants who are being paid like dollars an hour in our country to do cheap labor. That is a, that is a form of human trafficking. Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. like, or the fact that there's been thousands of cases of sexual abuse reported in detention facilities at the border. That is you know, like that, the, you can't, you can't ignore one, you can't just ignore the things that don't align with your political views if you're saying that you champion this certain cause. Um, and we also can't turn a blind, we can't turn a blind eye as like in this woke liberal space to things that our woke liberal heroes are doing. Like uh, another good example of this with the whole mask thing is, I don't know if you saw, but there was like, stuff that surfaced about nancy pelosi going like, to the hair salon yeah. going to the hair having the hair salon be open for her and her not wearing a mask at the hair salon and and i was talking to someone about this and and their conservative friends had sent that to them and they were like well you know i got my hair done last week too and it felt really good and it's like okay yeah but you can't attack every single thing that like donald trump says or does and then when somebody attacks like a liberal politician for a valid reason you can't defend them just because like you like their policies more right. like that's not that's not really i don't know that seems like an incredibly biased way of moving about the world um and also you know we were we were talking briefly about like Ruth Bader Ginsburg I've, it, there is this like insane i'm sorry i am going to trigger some people there is this insane this insane idolization of her and she did so many incredible things, but it's like no one human, the answer to our problems, just like no, is the cause of all of our problems. Both right. of those things are silly. And I feel like through this whole thing, I'm sounding like I'm a secret Trumper or something. I am not. <laughs> I'm just I'm like, we got to examine a little more of what we're doing here. Please, please, let's vote out Trump, please. Thank you. That's, I'm just going to put that there. But yeah. it's like we attack, we hold on to, and, and I'm just even thinking of the news app notifications that I would get before I turn them off. I've been like, Trump said this at a press conference. Like little tiny stupid quotes that are like, obviously indicative of a much bigger issue that is furthering but you know it's like we hang on to every little thing he says and it's like oh my god uh. like Ruth Bader Ginsburg called Colin Kaepernick's protest in the NFL dumb and disrespectful it's like that's something that we would cling on to like crazy if Donald Trump said it it's like RBG said that so I don't know I don't know where I'm going with that but we no, gotta I we gotta be a little bit more or critical thinkers no one is exactly on one side or the other side like i can see her saying that because she was such a true patriot like that really is aligned with patriotism and our country and all of the work she did it's like you can trace back to why she might have said something like that and really that should yes. show us liberals how nuanced different subjects can be like do i agree with that hell no i think what he did was so powerful and so necessary 
And if they'd listened the first time, we could have saved ourselves a lot of trouble in the recent months. However, if someone that you beloved, like beloved in your heart has said something like that, it just should give you a pause to be like, oh, maybe this is more nuanced than I realized it was. And something, Becca, I'm also so tired of is I want to hear good news about Trump. I think that especially yeah. if he wins, which please vote him out, everybody, just like Becca said, like no more. But <laughs> he, um, you know, like it, it's causing such a deflated, hopeless, the world is ending for us kind of attitude. And also it's not doing us any favors to just vilify him as 100% evil 100% of the time because then the people that love him the two of us are getting such different information on him that I don't even know how we could speak to each other. Like, I want to know if a bunch of people get jobs or I want to know if he offered school lunches. That's something that like Kelly or Kaylee McInerney said. And I remember when she said it kind of in defense of him and I was thinking, if he destroys a national forest, I want access to that information, but also if he does something good for humanity, because there's no way he can be doing 100% of 100 things wrong all the time. I want to know that. Right. So I don't feel like right. the entire world is on fire all yeah. the time. And I would still have the cognitive ability to suss out whether or not I think he's a good president. I feel really robbed by our liberal talking heads and our liberal news that they're not sharing a more balanced view of what's happening because it's really yeah. just making us more defenseless. I kind of am feeling like it's like when you're Christian and they don't teach you apologetics that atheists are going to throw at you or they don't teach you about evolutionary theory and then you're kind of left out there in the dark trying to defend something that you can't defend. It's like when someone comes up to you and is like, okay, but my dad and a thousand other people in our community got jobs because of Trump and that's what we're voting for. And we should have something to say to that. We should be informed yeah. that that happened. And yeah. I just, it's all a lack of education at this point too. And it's just causing such an enormous rift that I don't think needs to be this heavy, but what have you been learning more about your research of like how history has gone down because I know so many generations have said the world is ending and then you wake up and it's continued. <laughs> okay. Well, let me get on my soapbox because um, this is <laughs> dude. People, if anyone listens to chatty broads, who's going to, who's listening to this right now, they're going to be so annoyed because I've been talking nonstop about this stupid book that I've been reading. It's not stupid. It's fantastic. <laughs> and it's changing everything for me. <laughs> But it's called the uh, it's called the fourth turning, and it's about it was written in the mid '90s, and it's about how our country and other societies operate in what's called like the saculum, and in these periods of about 20 years, different generations, and how there's like four archetypes for these different generations, and how. I mean, let's look at this. The Revolutionary War ended in 1785. Fast forward 80 years later, later, the Civil War ended in 1865. Fast forward 80 years later, World War II ended in 1945, which then brings us to 80 years later, 2025. So he talks about how there are these four periods that a country goes through. So a crisis, a high, an awakening, and an unraveling. And the author breaks down in this book. I mean, I'm sure there's plenty of stuff that's that's a little off in the theories, but you can see it like mirrored throughout history. Um, so, you know, the last crisis would be through the Great Depression and World War II. Following World War II, we had a high. That was when the baby boomer generation was born. This is called what's called the profit generation. And they're born at a time. They're born during a time of basically everything good is happening. They don't need to be sheltered. Their parents are focused on them. They're born into hope and into optimism, which can also tend to, um, this author says, give them sort of an air of like narcissism or focus like only on themselves, which is just interesting right now with the stereotypes of the baby boomer generation. Yeah. Following that, <laughs> yeah, following that generation was then the awakening, which we would see in the 60s and 70s. And basically in the high, everything's going perfect, like economically and like everything's functioning really well, but culture is kind of dead. 
is sort of the characteristic of that high era. So then comes an awakening, spiritual awakening and artistic awakening. You see a lot of great music and art produced during this time. We obviously saw all of this take place in the 60s and 70s. During that time, um, the nomad generation is born and some of the characteristics of their generation is they're sort of neglected by their parents because their parents are going through their own awakening. So you can see this in people born, my mom was part of this generation, like the latchkey kids. They uh, were, you know, and <laughs> yeah. um, their sort of role, they're actually not self-centered. They're sort of the helpmate for future generations. Um, then next is the hero generation, that archetype born during um, an unraveling period. So this would be the 80s and early 90s. So this is the millennial generation. And they're the generation that will come of age during a crisis era. The next generation, Gen Z, is the artist generation archetype born, uh, born and being raised during a crisis. So technically this crisis would be 2005 to 2025 if all the years line up. And uh, anyway, it's really interesting. And the author breaks all this down further throughout history, but it's really fascinating. And it gives me a lot of peace that like, while we're going through a crisis right now, there's some really interesting characteristics too. Like um, gender, this author claims is at its most expansive actually during a crisis era. Like you could see this in during World War II, for example, when like Rosie the Riveter in that era of like women working and and then during it's most constrictive is supposedly during an unraveling. And I just find that really interesting when we're talking about like, you know, transgender rights right now during this crisis period and how we're actually thinking really expansively about gender in a way we never have before. So wow. anyway, that's all what I'm about. <laughs> that's incredible. I love that. What comes next? What do we have to look forward to? The high. The high. This is this should come sometime following 2025, if the years are correct, um, where we will be able to achieve a new social and political and economic order. Interestingly, the character, one of the characteristics of the hero generation or our millennial generation, is trying to bring is trying to bridge economic inequality. And we're also supposed supposedly brought up during a time of great technological advancement. And you look back, the last time there was a hero generation was the greatest generation born 1900 through 1920. Their big focus was to bridge economic inequality. And they were also born, born during a time of huge economic or um, technological advancement during the, during the um, I can't think of what it's called, the Industrial Revolution. And so anyway pretty interesting <laughs> no that's so incredible I love that it's it's a, and the universe shows us so many cycles with seasons and with the planets and how they like everything does go in these cycles so I'm a huge believer that nature really mirrors us in so many ways mm -hmm. like you're talking about birth and death all of it is always in this circle always giving back to itself always rejuvenating again I feel the same way too. Like right before we started recording, we were talking about Ruth's death and I don't want to tease anyone that was really upset, just like Becca, but I was also thinking it's really absurd that we're pretending that someone we were rarely talking about a couple of years ago, that the entire balance of our universe lied on whether or not she would live or die. I understand it. I'm not minimizing the panic or fear we might have because the Supreme Court is obviously incredibly important and the way it turns is important. But again, with the balance, you have to look at how there was a huge transgender right win um, recently because one of the Republicans, I forget his name, is someone that flips back and forth occasionally and someone that has an expansive view of things and ended up voting for that and being the tipping point. Mm. So, I like to think that if we focus on our interpersonal personal relationships and then obviously focus on ourselves and our own media literacy, our own ability to actually process what's been given to us, that's going to be key. And to your point of us kind of having this leadership quality, I've always thought it was really interesting that we grew up without the internet and we're the first mm -hmm. generation that had it. And for me, that appeared when I was around 
12, I think. And it was in its very, very beginning moment. So it wasn't advanced. There was like the dial up era. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. If mom picks up the phone, you're getting booted off. Mm -hmm. And there wasn't a lot of self esteem wraps around it. You definitely weren't creating an image around yourself or anything like that. MySpace was the first time that I actually felt like people were actively curating how they wanted the world to see them. And it was really fascinating and interesting to see even how my friends wanted to project themselves and how they wanted to Mm -hmm. be seen. But now we're in such a moment where that just seems like everybody has their own social media language and profile and the way they present themselves. And I don't know if they're the same person or not sometimes, you know? Oh, yeah. I have major identity crises with myself over this. I'm like, am I this person? (laughs) Yeah. Who who am I? And like, (laughs) sometimes I get anxiety too. This is a little bit of a side note, but sometimes I get anxiety too when I'm meeting people in person or hanging out with people. Like, am I going to live up to the expectation that this person has because of my curated social media presence? That is one very small aspect of who I am. And there's 100% parts I choose not to put up on the internet. There's 100% beliefs that I don't show on the internet. Like, that's not like I'm some devious, secretive person. That's just part of being a human. And we present, we, we, are, we naturally present in and offline things that are going to be advantageous for us in some way or another. And sometimes we break through that. But more often than not, we're presenting ourselves in a way that will give us some sort of gain, right? Like, yeah, I don't even know. I, I, I've never really thought about how I feel about it because I never saw myself as a, an influencer. I never thought my life was heading in this direction. I always thought I would be a writer and that Mm. to me seemed like more of a reclusive thing. So now the fact that I was only able to really get a book deal because I had created a social media presence which is fine. I, it's just unexpected. It's just really shocking and surprising. (laughs) Which is, by the way, a form of reclusiveness, I believe. Like being a social media influencer or someone with a huge social media following can be incredibly reclusive in a way. Interesting. I never really thought about that. I mean, also Corona brings a whole different element to it because I had a pretty rich social life, but then I got pregnant and obviously Mm. that cuts down your social life a lot. Oh yeah. And then Rona was like, oh, I don't have any social life at Mm -hmm. all. So it has been very heavily internet based. And again, I don't like it. It doesn't really resonate. And also, I don't want to ebb and flow with the court of public opinion. I really do want to present who I am and what I believe. And I want the freedom to mess up. I really... Mm -hmm. Even the the word, they're the phrase cancel culture, people have called me out on. Again, like, I love Gen Z so much, but it's like anything you learned five minutes ago, you can get attacked for immediately. I did a, a video that I called cancel culture because I just perceive it to be like the attack that we impose on people that we either admire or that we hate and we demand that they be or behave in a certain way. And I, know. I don't like that at all. I, I felt it more than I ever felt it in my life during this new wave of Black Lives Matter. And white girls exclusively were yelling at me and telling me how I was to behave, how I was misbehaving, how I needed to present to them. And white girls were doing that at, at black girls and brown girls too, by the way. What? Oh, well, I mean, I've, I, I was seeing memes all over the place of women being like, I've never been told by so many white women, like how the correct way is to be, you know. Right anti-racism and like for yeah <laughs> I know I know because you know? there, there was 100% white people that were calling out black people for not talking about black lives matter I know I know <laughs> <laughs> I was also like observing my queen Oprah and <laughs> I've been trying to look towards people that are outside of social media because social media, I feel like is such an exper- a social experiment. It's so crazy. It's not regulated. Nobody really knows what they're doing. I just did a poll yesterday where I asked if people feel lower self-esteem or if they feel 
unhappy or lonely being on Instagram. And it stayed consistently 88% yes, 12% no. Wow. And so I'm glad 12% of you have a, good, a seemingly good handle on this. But for 88% of people to be having the way they feel when they move throughout the world determined mm -hmm. by what is happening online is really difficult for me to bear and I don't really know how to confront that. I think again, because of myself having been distanced from it for a while and then yeah. never intentionally really doing this, I do feel a little bit more empowered to not bring it on as much as that. But yeah. at the same time, I think I might have a little bit of a journey getting called out by woke people and liberal people, because if I start calling them out and they saw me as their champion, that's going to be a whole new challenge to overcome. Like again, with this cuties videos I just did, I actually didn't tell them my opinion on it. I mm. have a private life, as you said, and I have private opinions Yes, and I share them with my partner. I share them with my best yes. friends. I have never told anyone my moral stance on abortion and I'm not mm. sure that I will. Mm. Um, Cause there's certain things that I'm like, it doesn't matter what my moral stance is. And sometimes it really shouldn't matter what I think about something. My whole channel is wow. trying to get you to ask yourself wow. why you believe certain things because in church and in my, with my upbringing, I was never given that permission. Like all I'm trying to do is give permission, but the comment section is crazy. I don't engage in comment sections anymore because I just don't have the time, but I do. Or the emotional bandwidth. <laughs> well, that too. I'm like, I can't really go in circles arguing with something that I've already, like my videos, I hope will stand up for themselves and yeah. I don't have to over explain. It's like, yeah. I explained it. If the message wasn't received or if you've received it in an ill manner, I can't take on all of the responsibility of how it affected you. Yes. Um, but it was just trippy to be like, people were like, I'm unfollowing you and I hate that you said this and I don't support it. And I was like, oh, well, that's funny. Cause I never said that I supported this movie. I, I said, you tell me what you think. <laughs> and I think it's what you said, it's just like, you kind of gave me a revelation of like, yeah, there are things that I say to my partner or to my friends. And there are even certain things that I will talk about with certain friends that I won't talk about with other friends. And yeah. that's okay. That's not being, I just sort of had this light bulb go off that that's not wrong. That's not being inauthentic. And sometimes you hold opinions that may hurt the feelings of someone that you love or may, you know, make them feel unsafe for whatever reason or another, whether or not that's justified. And like, sometimes you withhold those feelings or thoughts from those people in order to like protect your relationship and I don't think there's any, like, there can be something wrong with it, but not necessarily, you know? Yeah. No, totally. Also, timing is so key. Like, mm. again, when I was watching people out of the social media sphere, like Oprah, I was like, oh, these people that are outside of this are actually taking a pause to mindfully and truthfully react to what's going on. Mm. And that's the way I want to behave. Like, ever since the Black Lives Matter social media interaction happened, it really gave me a pause and made me think, okay, I'm not going to post things that I don't believe in, that I haven't researched. Mm -hmm. I'm not going mm -hmm. to spread false information. Good like, for you. I put up that black square under duress and I had comments, both thanks for doing this and screwing. And out of fear, right? Out too? of fear, exactly. Yeah. It was not an authentic thing. I didn't know what the hell it meant. I just was like, influenced by the social media and I don't I don't want to behave and I don't want to live that way anymore and to your point too yes we are all worthy of privacy and it's not even about like you said authenticity some things are just timing like you can have a friend that you're noticing is drinking too much and if you're intuiting what needs to happen you're not just like well, I'm doing the right thing and I'm coming at you and I'm telling you it's wrong. Like you in real life would have to suss the person out and ask them how they're feeling. And like, there is like a dance to things. There's nuances. Exactly. Because we're all like nuanced individuals. Mm -hmm. And yeah, like you're saying, people may not be in the space to hear something. Yeah, that's, I think that's like a perfect example. And there's not like a one size fits all step for any of this. Because it comes down to personalities and like knowing people, which is also 
um I have to go inside soon and feed my baby and do all that. But I want to wrap it up by saying like, this is a call to myself to like get off the internet sometimes and like know people like in your community. And like, I know it sounds really weird to talk to your neighbors and like say hi to them and ask them how they're doing, but like, just do it because you're going to come to find out that people are nuanced. Even people that you think you hate online, like Trump supporters you're going to come to find out that they are individuals with backgrounds and reasons that they believe the things they believe, even if the things they believe are like violent and terrible, they're coming from some sort of place, whether or not it's justified is a whole other discussion. But like individuals are nuanced and we all have stories. And like, if you have the emotional and mental bandwidth to get to know someone who disagrees with you, it's probably a really good exercise for you to do so. Mm Mm-hmm. Because it's going to bring you to a new level of like compassion and understanding rather than placing yourself in this position of like, I'm right, you're wrong. I love that. Yeah. And you might still think that you're right and they're wrong. And that's also okay. (laughs) Yeah. But I think it also comes down to like the pressure that we're receiving online too. So I, I love that, like bringing your life back to real life, which is starting to get easier now that we're sort of crawling out of this yeah. Corona moment. Um, even calling someone on the phone instead of thinking about them or instead of DMing them can be a more profound yeah. or impactful way to just remind each other that you love each other. And then also like, don't go so hard on yourself and Maybe don't demand so much of the people that you admire. You know, sometimes they're just like going through life, doing their own thing. Like the last thing I'll say is funny. I just posted, I went to the beach with my partner and a couple of friends. We very safely socially distanced and wore masks the majority of the time. And on the way out, my partner just snapped a picture of me in my bikini, you know, without a mask on. And I was getting ready to post it because I thought it was a beautiful picture and I had a great day. And I was like, do I really have to go into this long thing about like how distant we were, how many masks we were, like my body post baby and whether or not I should be wearing a bikini. I was like, and I decided to just post it and be like, there's no Mm. statement here. This is just a photo. And some things can be as simple as they are and we don't have to project everything on. And then other things are not simple at all. And we really have to Mm. dive into the gray. So I'm so grateful and and rejuvenated to know that you are receiving the same intuitive messages about this sort of unity and media literacy and really like coming to terms with the fact that maybe just maybe the world isn't ending forever and we Mm. have a little bit of hope. (laughs) Yeah, it's encouraging, right? And it's like, I think it's fun to have these conversations. I think that we have to accept that like, but we can regardless of what's going on like we can still have fun and we can have our give ourselves permission to like enjoy having philosophical conversations with people who are in the space to do the same you know like mm-hmm. it's fun and <laughs> and I'm glad that we got to have this conversation yeah so where can everybody find you and follow you Becca so I am on Instagram at Becca spelled B-E-K-A-H <laughs> I'm very proud of my handle um <laughs> coming <laughs> off of that whole social media conversation um and then also you know like you touched on at the beginning I am a co-host of the chatty broads podcast with my lovely good friend Jess you can hear more of us talking there and um and then I'm also starting a clothing line that's focused on having eco-conscious materials all organic cotton produced ethically in Portugal and you can follow that at the good Alma on Instagram. Um, yeah, so that's another little fun project that you can go check out. Yeah, thank you so much for your time, babe. I really appreciate it. Yes, it was awesome. I'm glad <laughs> we could make it happen. Me too. Me too. Think, 